and welcome back to yet again another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by two incredible guests, Jess, who is a DEI program manager at LinoX, and Leah, who is the director of Global and Talent Acquisition. We cover some really, really great topics, including what Jess's motivations were for pursuing a very focused role in all things DEI and what her day-to-day role includes. We also discuss from Leah's point of view why it was important to have someone like Jess on board and the benefits this has had to the company overall. For those struggling with where to start with all things DEI, this is definitely a conversation to listen into. Thanks again for joining me. I hope you enjoy it. So Leah, Jess, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Jessica Wilson. I'm happy to be on talking with both of you today. Um, I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion manager at a company called Lean IX in the tech space. And I have a mix of learning and development, sales, and DEI, mainly working with the human component of business for the last seven years. Um, as for a little personally about myself, I love American football. I'm from the cold state of Minnesota in the United States, and I have a dog that I love to death. So that's me. <laughs> I love that. And Leah? Well, thanks a lot, uh, both Sade and, uh, and Jess, uh, to have me here uh, in this conversation. My name is Leah de Cruijff. I'm based in the Netherlands, I'm Dutch. And um, like Jess, part of Lean IX uh, for more than three and a half years, I'm director of global talent acquisition today in the company, managing the team and the function. Um, and I'm in recruitment business already for more than 20 years. So uh, quite a lot of experience, work with agencies, but within the SaaS business already more than 15 years. And uh, yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm a, I love DIY, do it yourself, no matter what it is. If it's construction work or it's a bit of crochet or everything in between. Um, because especially working, uh, working in a tech industry in the fast space, being behind your laptop and Zoom meetings um, multiple hours in a week, um, I'm done with the screen and want to do something with my hands and be creative. So that's me. Nice to meet you. I love that. I love that. I'm definitely going to use that. Do it yourself. <laughs> B-Y, exactly. Oh, pretty great. I- and I guess what one thing I've learned from doing this podcast is that um, D&I means uh, what, a different thing to a different person, right? We all It comes under the same umbrella, but I think everyone views it differently or somewhat the same. Um, so I guess my question to you both is, what does D&I mean to you? And in your role now, um, why is it somewhat important? Sure, Good question. I can kick this off. Um, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, the way I like to think about it is... How can I create a space where people can let go of their heavy armor, regardless of where they are, who they are, where they live, and how can they show up and be able to be their best selves, bring their experience, their joys, their uh, passions into the workplace without feeling being reproached or judged or prevented from moving forward within that space. And equity and inclusion is a huge piece of how can we do that on a systemic level, on a policy, a process, and a human level? Um, so that way, no matter who these people are from all these different backgrounds, that they have a place that they can feel like they belong. So that's the way I think about it. Amazing. Uh, I couldn't agree more to that, Jess. And uh, for me, I mean, uh, I like to keep it short and simple. Every individual is unique, right? 
we're all, everyone is different, uh, even in my own family. And we should appreciate and respect that and, and, and have the conversation around, right? What is your talent? What is your, um, what is your focus? What, what, what do you love to do to make sure that we set up every individual for success within the organization, within the space they're in? Um, yeah, DEI is a super broad topic in that regard. And I think Jess already touched quite some points here. But uh, yeah, the, the uh, things we still see, especially related to hiring, is that uh, interviewers, but also candidates, can be biased, right? So how come? Where is that coming from? And, and how do we run a conversation to, to have a focus on skills, knowledge, expertise, which is relevant for a certain job? Yeah, yeah it's a complicated issue, too, because... Not everybody starts in the same place, but not everybody's trying to go to the same place either. So that's, that's a whole other level of the complexity, right? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, what you said, Leo, having that respect for each other um, is super important, right? Because like you said, Jess, you know, everyone starts in the same place and not everyone is going to the same place. But if there is that level of respect, no matter your journey, no matter where you're looking to get to, I think we could make this whole topic a lot safer and kinder to the individuals that are going through certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. Change or the thought of doing something differently can come off very scary to people, very intimidating, right? Because you're no longer working with the community you grew up with or the 10 types of workers you've worked for the last 10 years with. It's now a whole globalized world. And the idea of trying to create a space can be just very intimidating because it's a very, it's not as clear cut as we would like it to think sometimes in their minds. Definitely, definitely. And I wish it was right. Uh, I mean, that's that's the world in general, right? I wish it was a lot more simpler to understand these topics. But that's kind of why this podcast and why conversations like this are super, super important. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jess, really keen to kind of dive into a bit more about your role, um, you know, what your motivations were to pursue this, because I've actually not had anyone on the, on the podcast so far with such a focus on this, which is honestly amazing. So really, 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 really lucky to have you here. Um, but I guess to start with, what made you pursue a role um, down down this path? Yeah, so I've always seen myself as a teacher, a coach, a mentor, whether it's to my peers or just learning and working from others. I always knew that I had a passion for helping others develop, especially in a space where I can see from beginning to end the growth, right? And so, and there's so many different roles that are one touch, you go work with, you like sales, for instance, you're calling somebody up, you talk to them, then you move them along the journey. You can be somebody who does professional services, and maybe you see a customer long-term, but it's all about the product. I really wanted to focus on, as much as I love SaaS companies, and I love technology, and I love teaching it, I really wanted my career to take a turn towards the people within a business, because probably a few years back, I stopped and realized a business does not operate without people. You need people to create connections and to push your product, right? And I often found that sometimes I didn't think we went deep enough about people, about their personal needs, their professional needs, the way they connect. And I thought that was a gap that needed somebody there in the DEI space, created the permission for somebody within a company to care about the human before them, about the individual before them. And so that's why I pursued this role. Wow. 
Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure what you said there is so, so right. And I think a lot of companies just get it so wrong. I'm sure, Lear, in your experience, you've seen the same. Uh, companies always forget the people. And that is the forefront of whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to achieve. Without them, you can't do anything. And I think when we lose sight of that, that's when you see issues come up and it's just not firm the people in the business, right? Exactly. No, absolutely true. And I think... Uh... Yeah, Jess is a great value into our company. We're super lucky to have her in our company with her, all her knowledge and ex- expertise, but also especially because of her experience being that teacher, trainer, coach, right, in combination with the DEI topic is, uh, I think, very, very valuable for us as a company, as a people team, uh, but also for me individually working close with Jess. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, super, super so excited to kind of go into this but in terms of just your why because I think a lot of people go into these roles I guess either because their companies I guess force them down that route or because a company needs someone like that which is so you know that is kind of what happens but for you what's particularly your why like why did you want to go down this route but what you know everyone always has that kind of internal fire that kind of makes them push further that kind of internal passion um and I think for you I can really see I know that you haven't just gone down this road because you know someone's made you or it's been the HR duty to have someone on board right (laughs) um so of course I guess my question is what's your why Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of different ways in this world that you can help people Um, You can volunteer in your communities, you can coach privately, you can mentor, um, you can help your family members and interact with them, right? And as I was thinking about how I can give back in a meaningful way, I'm also a very, I look for things that provide high impact, ultimately, like how can I be most effective and create a long-term result in somebody's life? And for me, everybody's world, at least half of our life, right, is going to be spent working. We are always, our work is, provides us shelter, food, passions, the ability to travel, the freedom. And often when you hear about inequity or sense of exclusion, it often always starts in the workplace as well. And so for me, when I thought how I wanted to contribute and invest my time and energy, I thought, what better place than somebody's professional career? What better place to set them up to pursue whatever direction they want to take in life? It goes straight to the money they make and the life they live within the workplace. And so that was my why. That's where I thought I could make the greatest impact on somebody's life. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Because we always forget we spend so much time at work. And if it is, if I mean, we don't forget. I'm sure we all know, right? But (laughs) I think... (laughs) when we think about creating that workplace that is inclusive that is not discriminating it it, it is a lot of you know who we are and and actually the people we're spending time with so I couldn't agree more businesses have a wonderful opportunity in which I believe there is more than enough in the world I believe there is more than enough money that can be shared and could be shared and could be invested in the very people they have and when we think about creating a welcoming, inclusive environment where I'm like, it starts with those people that you can provide good benefits to. You can give them a little extra to spend time with their children and at home. You can give them um, sick days so they can take time and be care about themselves mentally. You can give them learning opportunities like financial literacy. So that way they can invest, even though they might not make a lot of money in this moment, you could change their lives in 20, 30 years just by giving them an opportunity they didn't have elsewhere. 
And so I see that businesses have a lot of power that unfortunately I think goes untapped or reserved for only sections of the company instead of everyone, but they could. And that's something I also want to be part of is trying to change that mindset of how businesses can play into the personal lives of their employees. Yeah, and I think also, yes, not only like as you address certain benefits uh, which can be included into the company, it's also about, you know, the individuals showing understanding and flexibility towards team members or being a leader and showing flexibility. You have a team member um, who's pregnant, right, and needs to now and then visit the doctor. How do you deal with that as a, as a leader? How do you support your team member, right? It's always a two-way interaction, um, from each other, but these things are are, are important in um, where well businesses can definitely uh, put a lot of value, uh, um, mm-hmm. and especially DEI program manager can raise a lot of awareness on these kind of topics. Yeah, exactly. and because that's the thing, right? Yeah. Mm. And you're so right, it's very individual. You know, there could be a person on your team who is pregnant, there could be a person on your team who is fasting for religious reasons. It's about, I think business is it's about being adaptable to that person and being inclusive to everyone and not having certain rules. Like you said, Jess, you see the business power going to a certain type of person, right? Or the flexibility going to a certain type of person. I think that's not what this is all about. It's about being flexible to everyone and being adaptable to everyone, no matter what sort of culture, environment, whatever, whatever that may be, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about this last week, Leah, in that, you know, there's this, uh, I can't remember who I was listening to who said this, but they're talking about how nobody really wants to go back to the good old days, right? It wasn't great for everyone, but we're in such a unique position now with the changing economy, the market, technology, that we also, there's so many opportunities for businesses and for leaders and for the employees to just open up a whole new space for new ideas, new types of connections, and actually create a workplace that really is a place for anyone. We don't have to regress. We don't have to backtrack. And I think that's really cool about the possibilities that we have moving forward. Yeah, you're so right. I couldn't agree more. We're in such a, I guess, fortunate place now with with all of what we've learned and what we've been through to actually progress so far. And I'd love to kind of see such progression continue. Uh, But I think, you know, it takes time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jess, could you give me a bit of a a bit more detail about your day today? I'd be keen to know a bit more about what your, I guess, what your tasks include, like what does a typical day look like for you in your role? So a typical day for me is, well, my strategy aligns around four main areas in which one, the front door, which is Leah's wheelhouse when it comes to talent acquisition, outreach, hiring, manager training. And so we actually work very intensely together on making sure that the very experience that we start with is the one that carries through the entire employee experience, even when they leave a company having that consistency of what our culture means. And so we spend a lot of time in that space, um, really building the foundations of what we, who we want to be as a company, ultimately. Um, then leadership development. So taking it a step further, as Leah mentioned. Um, so I'll be having coaching calls um, with leaders, everybody from executives down, talking about everything from hiring to their development of their teams to how they coach their direct reports and their leaders of leaders and so on every on every topic you could probably imagine. 
Um, and then we, of course, get into compliance and policy. I always have to keep up to date, make sure that we're compliant with different regions. Um, and then ultimately the all employee offerings, which these things happen monthly. So I'm always frequently trying to keep up to date. Like we offer things such as women in tech events that are very popular this time of year. And so making sure our employees have the opportunity to go and connect and network um, along with like today is Juneteenth, for instance. And so making sure educational information is out there, at least for the U.S. where it's relevant. Um, making sure that there is an education component, but also an opportunity for people to share their ideas. And for us to truly be a global organization, there has to be a level of cultural exchange. And so making sure that we're providing those opportunities to people as well. And so those are the four parallel tracks that I work on a daily basis with. Wow. Wow. And, and Leah, I guess from your side, um, mm-hmm. having someone on Jess, having someone like Jess on your team is unbelievable. And I think most companies just, like I said, get it so wrong. They put someone in the HR team in some sort of role that's similar or puts them in charge of this, this kind of, uh, this sort of um, role. But I guess for you, what made you look to have someone like Jess on the team? Was there a specific issue that arose where you thought, actually, we need someone like Jess on the team? Or was it something that, that was just always thought about and it just was about timing? Well, I think um, um, in the end, it was a senior leadership decision in order to move forward, right, to have someone uh, specialized on the topic. And I think within our people leadership team, we could definitely tell, right, this is a very, this should be a focused topic as a company in order to achieve um, um, also the strategic goals of the company in, in general. Um, but also, you know, typical things like like um, um, uh, an important thing like uh, um, hiring, like attrition, all these KPIs within the people team, right? Uh, in order to achieve certain goals, it is important also from a DEI perspective to have an individual in, in the company who has fully focus, who can, who can educate leaders uh, on all levels in the organization to make sure we make the right step also on that direction. And it, as a company, it will definitely benefit us. So it was a senior leadership decision here. Um, um, to answer your question, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's equally as impressive as well, right? Because I think sometimes in in, in some cases, uh, the leadership team overlooks certain topics like this and they feel like it's not some, you know, not that it's not important, but like I said, right, someone in HR can just be in charge of that sort of topic. We, we discussed that. We discussed that as well. And of course, you're absolutely right. Could someone, you know, take on that topic as well? But as we understand and as we could see also, you know, what, what big value uh, um, um, that topic can bring to the entire people topic and human topic in the organization, we took the uh, decision, senior leadership took the decision uh, to invest uh, in uh, in uh, yeah, full-time employee in the, in this position. I love that. And uh, what would you say has been the biggest change you've seen um, since having um, someone like Jess on board? I want oh, to. We've, stop- seen, we've, seen, a, we've <laughs> seen a lot of changes already. I mean, and 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 uh, well, and, and especially Jess, uh, as she addressed, she's, she has a focus on, on four main topics. Hiring is an important one. This was also the topic, the first topic she started together with the talent acquisition team with my team. Uh, she educated, trained us. Um, and little things like just making sure that job descriptions are appealing for a broad audience and diverse audience, right? But also, how do we do interviews today, right? 
how do we review certain interviews and uh, reduce bias in interview conversations to, to, to train and together with Jess, the, um, the hiring managers as well, the interviewers on that topic. So Jess already delivered quite some impact uh, on that. And uh, it's up to the t- talent acquisition uh, team members um, to kind of like continue uh, and spread yeah. that word into the organization with interviewers, hiring managers, all the stakeholders involved in the process. So we looked into, we reviewed actually the entire cycle of recruitment and touched upon like like every topic to kind of like to update accordingly, right? To to, to be critical with, with language and words we're using and things like that. Interesting. And you mentioned and- that. <laughs> you mentioned. No, I was saying, am I missing anything, Jess? Here or <laughs> Jess is like, yeah, I did this. This. <laughs> I'm like, I got the whole list. No, <laughs> good work for sure. It, I think um, also something I'm really proud of was specifically our um, language to make sure that we're inclusive of people with disabilities, for instance, or people who are neurodiverse. To making sure that even though we're a small company, that we can still adapt if somebody does come forward that they might need a slight change in the interview process. So that way we can see their best qualities and qualifications and competencies. Um, the flexibility working with you in finding ways to not only get creative, but to make sure our outreach is where it needs to be and where we hope to be a leader. In. Um, it's been really cool to be able to work with Leah in that way and drive that type of change. Exactly. And also, I think today it's super important, you know, the standard of uh, what we're looking for, who we hire. We, we really yeah. are focused on high quality talent, right? And uh, no matter, you know, um, um, uh, where they're from or what religion they believe in or whatsoever, it's purely about skills and talent and knowledge and expertise, right? In order to reach a broad audience, uh, it's super helpful. We have Jess on board here. Um, because we are able to reach out to, to a much broader audience these days. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. So interesting. And I guess one of the things which I really wanted to touch on today was, I guess you mentioned so much there, Leah and Jess, that I think is so interesting. But for companies where they're, they may be in a similar situation, right, where the team needs someone like Jess on board, um, or they might not even have the capacity to do that, right? They might not have the budget. They, it just might not be feasible to do that. But... The foundations of DNI is so broad, right? And I think it's such a broad topic. For companies that are in that position or they've got someone on like Jess on board, where would you say is the first place to start? I think uh, I think it's definitely on the talent acquisition part, right? Because you bring in the people, uh, talent acquisition team is actually flirting at the front door to get people in, talent in, skills in, knowledge in to support the growth of the organization. Right, and to yeah, and to be welcoming every individual, no matter what. Right, it's it's super. It's it it yeah, like Jess said, it's the foundation, and the foundation is with all the people in the organization. Right, so I would definitely recommend to start with 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 the recruitment and the hiring topic. Um, That's and right. secondly, like, I think also train and educate as we did, as just just also following her strategy. Train and educate uh, the, the stakeholders and the managers and talent acquisition team as the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's um, the nice part about talent acquisition, especially if somebody's building a new program, is that talent acquisition recruiting works with 
every department in a company, which means that if you target this as your foundational setting to one, introduce the concept of DEI, start opening the door in a way that they feel that they can get behind, right? They have to fill headcount or they lose it. They want to look good to the company, so they want help. Um, and it's also where they're most open to education as well, because there's always something to know. There's always something to learn when it comes to trying to reach a new market of talent. And so within recruiting, you have the outreach, you have the hiring managers, and then you have the onboarding piece. And so you're able to hit almost every key area to start building from as you reach out to the rest of the company. And so it can be very effective if done right. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's kind of like knowing what that person's like from the very beginning because the person who is joining or who you're looking for you can almost like if you do see issues in the team you could use the recruiting side to somewhat bring new people in that can hopefully change that or equally right it starts from actually looking for a broader you know broader range of people right so I think you're so right I think the recruiting is sometimes underestimated for how much can have an impact on DNI. it's not oh, yeah. yeah of course the leadership team does have a massive impact but I think the recruiting side is is really important with getting it right from the very beginning mm-hmm. and when we talk about headcount at that point at that very beginning it is you know this job <laughs> it's a job where you're supposed to challenge people you're supposed to make people uncomfortable right and uh, leaders specifically, not the employees. But it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, you're going to go through a hiring frenzy right now. You're going to try to fill these three seats. Tell me who's on your team now. Now tell me who's missing in whatever capacity that is. Just let it hang there, right? Who is missing? And it creates a very stark sense of awareness for many leaders. Oh, shoot, I can start to see my bias right now. I can start to see who I lean towards. Oh, I don't have somebody who challenges me or it can reach this market that I work with. That's why I like talent acquisition, working from that very beginning, that that front door place, it can be extremely impactful and uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you mentioned a bit there about bias, right? I think that's a a really important topic to to, to kind of touch upon because I think a lot of, you said, right, a lot of people don't see that they're biased until you really make them see it. Um, And I think it comes with the hiring, right? You know, who's missing in the team? And then you're like, oh, wow, we have all these people, but not this person or whoever, you know. I guess on the topic of bias and on the topic of advocacy, why is it important and how would you say you've worked to get people to recognize these biases. Yes, identifying who's missing is great, but often I find these biases are somewhat, I don't want to say cognitive, but it's who we are, right? It's who we've been around for all of our life. How do you go about getting people to change that when they are hiring? So there are two different topics, bias and advocacy. So I'll tackle bias first and then I'll move over to advocacy. But I find that we're human at the end of the day, right? We are always going to be prone to our biases. I catch myself all the time being like, why did I make that assumption? Oh, okay. I need to correct myself in the future. It is a continuing cycle, right? And so when I thought about how do you address bias on a scalable way? And for me, it started with policies and processes. So our promotion board discussions, for instance, when people are up for a promotion or salary increase or whatever the case may be, a lot of work went into how do we build out guidelines 
and process. So that way, just no matter who you are and what you think should or shouldn't happen, we have structure in place to curb your biases. If a company can provide those guardrails in everything, everything from their travel policies to um, the way they onboard people or interview or what they expect when you assess somebody, um, that's one way to, one, educate people on what they should be looking for and what the right way of doing things is. And then you can start to build out and start to educate and bring awareness um, around the other biases that they don't realize, like how they coach and manage their team or develop individuals or talk about their careers. Um, the career one was a big one for us, where in March, I did a session on own your career, how to own your career, right? For everyone, this could be leaders or employees. But what we started with is that, as I mentioned at the beginning, we don't all start in the same place. and We're not all trying to go to the same place. Some people are working hard every day to become an executive. Other people just want to make enough money with them and their partners. They can become a stay-at-home parent. All are perfectly great. Okay, now we've just broken the expectation of what ambition means. It's not what it means to you. We need to be more open. We need to leave space for other people's goals. And then we start building on those skill sets with leaders. Like, how do you ask questions? How do you leave it open for them to tell you what they want, not what you think they want? And then we continue to build from there. As you know, bias is a very complicated topic, but you have to start small and start to build and go. Jennifer Brown did a very nice uh, book on how to be an inclusive leader um, and talks about just the spectrum that as your teams become more diverse, the more scenarios come up, the more patterns that are going to arise. Nobody is ever going to perfectly be able to avoid bias. It's always a continuing cycle. And whatever framework you put in place for yourself can help you handle it better than you normally would otherwise. So that is bias. And I'll stop there <laughs> for a second. <laughs> I could literally listen to this all day. But yeah, I think you're so right. There's so much that goes into it. It's not just get rid of it today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. Leah, you want to add anything to that on bias? Oh, I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, and uh, I, I, uh, I couldn't agree more, to be honest. And uh, yeah, we did that training together on, on bias, uh, how to avoid bias on in, on, on interviews, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, oh, thanks for sharing this, Jess. No problem. Do you want me to tackle advocacy as well? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> so. From my perspective, advocacy is one of the hardest and easiest things to do. And what I mean by this, so by advocacy, either being speaking up for yourself or speaking up for others. Um, when it comes to speaking up for yourself, this is hard because not everybody has a sales background, right? <laughs> when you think about how you want to present yourself, whatever your personal brand is, whatever you want people to believe about you. There has to be a bit of sales component where you're thinking about who's across from you and what will convince them, right? What will help them reach or understand or go along with you. And this is an innate skill that a lot of people have. It is something that needs to be taught. And I think this is where there's a huge disparity between somebody's socioeconomic background, between where they were raised, what they were doing. I think this is a place when I talked about how businesses could really help their employees and provide education, teaching people how to self-advocate, how to communicate their personal and professional goals and partner with their manager. We spend a lot of time on this to help empower employees 
to do this because I firmly believe that if they can speak for themselves in a constructive, logical, data-driven way, they can, one, better assess where they want to be in life, and they can better arm their manager to help them get to where they want to be within the company. I think most conflict or frustration or irritation within the workplace, no matter who you are, always starts with communication. But people don't know what they don't know. And if you can't communicate yourself first, I mean, sorry, of course you're going to be overlooked. Heck, that happened to me many times because I didn't know how to advocate at first. It was something that had to be learned. On the flip side, people are like, oh, well, I want my manager or my leader to advocate for me, to help me, to guide me, right? And this is where I'm like, the more power and privilege you have in a company, you have to be real careful about the way that you go about advocating for somebody else. Um, I like to refer to it as mindful advocacy. Ooh, very, very specific there. Um, in the sense of, say you're putting somebody up for a promotion, for instance, and you go there and they're like, oh, well, you know, um, despite how young they are, they are really right on par with all their peers. They're competent. They fulfill all these roles. They're working at a higher level. Well, shoot, what went wrong with that advocacy, advocacy statement? You started with, they're really young. Yeah. <laughs> it's great that you're speaking up for them, but you just probably undermined the seriousness that they took, the competencies you just described. You also might have cost them the amount of money that they could have gotten for that promotion because they're like, oh, well, if they're young, you know, they'll be fine with a lesser salary. Advocacy done wrong can be harmful <laughs> in more ways than one, right? It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, but the higher up you are, you have to be mindful of how you're pushing and encouraging people. Um, and so that's my take on advocacy. It's like, it has to be done personally and leaders have to be mindful of how they champion their employees as well. Wow. And is that something you guys have trained the leaders in doing? Is it something whereby you notice it and then you do it? How is it just an all round thing you do constantly? How do you go about the advocacy, advocacy topic? So our um, focus area currently has been definitely with our gender disparity within the company. Um, we're right on track with other tech companies, but as I saw a post of your own earlier today, it's uh, there's less than 30% in general for uh, across the board in tech companies of women on a global scale. Um, and so we've really focused on that demographic to start with and continuing to expand out to other groups. But one, providing resources, providing mentorship opportunities, providing um, education in these workshops, everything from we just had a, and this was for everyone, not just for women or um, non-binary employees, but we had a how to set boundaries session, how to say no, how to create space for yourself so you can succeed and be successful and be a co better coworker. We're continuing to build on these sessions to give people opportunities to learn these skills, but it's not something that's learned overnight. It has to be built upon and we'll continue to grow out um, that skill set so that way they can feel more confident within the workplace, feel like they can rise and advocate and really pursue the career they want without shame or anxiousness or the sense of imposter syndrome. Wow. Yeah, so true. Oh, gosh, honestly, well, of course, it's really of time. So I want to, um, I guess one one thing I always like to end with is if, if a company's in their situation now, they're really struggling on topics like this, 
what would be your one piece of advice or should be their one takeaway from today's conversation? Um, I, I definitely am going to go on, go and look at advocacy for sure. That's going to be mine. Uh, but I guess from your side, if, if anyone's in a similar position to, to kind of where you were, say, three or four years ago before you took on these roles now, before you took on this topic, what would be the one takeaway for companies looking to start somewhere? Leah, you want to start? Well, I w- yeah, I, w- I would love to say that, especially senior leadership, right? They're the main, I would say, carriers of the culture in the company. Mm-hmm. Right? It's super important to have that awareness as a senior leader in the organization. And I would recommend to start with awareness in the company. Where are we now? How are we treating these topics like DEI, bias, efficacy, etc. today as a company, right? And do we want to see some change or whatever? And how do we uh, act on that ourselves as individuals, as a senior leader in the company, within their departments, within their leaders in the departments? So to start the conversation on the DEI topic, right? But also be critical towards yourself and your own teams and your organization, um, and start start with raising that awareness and have that conversation is definitely, uh, as far as I'm concerned, a good moment to, to kick off on this topic uh, before you get on board, especially yeah. in this role. Yeah, 100%. And Jess? The one thing I would ask for anybody to think about, especially in the executive leadership or senior leadership role, show up. <laughs> that would be the one thing. Is that even if they feel confident, they think they're aware and capable. It is so important that all these activities, all these things that are going on, all these trainings and sessions, if leadership is not present, if they are not visible, there will be no faith or impact from the work that's being done. And so be there, be present, be a leader. That's what I would send off to them. So true. Wow. Honestly, thank you both for joining me. I really appreciate your time. It's been a great conversation. I've got a few things I'm going to go up and learn about myself. But yeah, thanks again to both of you. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for hosting this session. Appreciate it.